COVID in many ways hit the fast forward button for us on addressing some issues. It brought some things to the forefront that had to be wrestled with and prayed through and and dealt with. From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths Podcast. My name is Chris Weigel, and we're glad you've taken some time to join us. One day soon, we'll look back at the COVID-19 pandemic and speak of it as something that happened in the past. Our grandchildren will ask questions like, what was it like when the coronavirus happened? But until then, and as of the production date of this podcast, the pandemic is still happening. We're still witnessing sickness, death, economic problems, and stress on our healthcare system. And the church is, by far, not immune to the adverse effects of a global pandemic. On this Level Paths podcast, part one of a two-part series titled, The State of the Church Through COVID. Three pastors from Ohio and West Virginia are joining Rex Howe and Matt Shamlin to share how they initially reacted to and are still reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's Rex. I would like to take a moment to speak about the importance of encouraging our pastors. At Tri-State Bible College and at the Appalachian Ministry Institute, it is our aim to encourage, affirm, and equip stewards, shepherds, and servants to fulfill their ministries in Christ's commission. However, October is a month typically recognized by many churches as a time purposefully to encourage our shepherds, that is our pastors. Pastoral ministry vocationally lends itself to burnout, exhaustion, and unique kinds of troubles. And we believe that COVID has only multiplied these challenges. So will you join me this month in making a special effort to encourage and affirm your pastor? Here's what I know. Pastors love to read. They treasure uninterrupted time with their families, and they are refreshed by purposeful rest and they need prayer. My own pastor, Brad Brandt, recently preached an amazing sermon where we're learning from the Sermon on the Mount that the kingdom life is a received life, where a believer encounters the inconsistency in his or her own life when compared to the teaching of Jesus in the sermon. The answer is not to chuck it and say, what's the use? Or to determine that you'll be more self-righteous this year than last year. No, the kingdom life is a received life. And our Father in heaven wishes that we would ask him, seek him, and knock on his door so that he may give to us allow us to discover and open to us exactly what we need as his people. So would you join me this month in doing two things? Number one, do something at your church to encourage and affirm your pastor, a gift or a note, and get creative. Pull out all the stops and be generous. You'll reap the dividends of being a refresher of souls. Secondly, commit to a month of prayer for your pastor. Ask the Lord for him, seek the Lord for him, and knock on the Lord's door for him, for his family, and for his calling. With that challenge, I want to welcome three dear brothers. First, Pastor Kenny Estep, who's the pastor of Shawnee Hills Baptist Church in Portsmouth, Ohio. Kenny, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. Well, thank you, guys, and thanks for the invite for being on. I have married my wife, Amy. We have two daughters two son-in-laws, one son, and one new granddaughter. And so we are loving the grandparent life. 
And uh, I've been at Shawnee Hills for 17 years now. Amen. Next, I want to introduce and welcome Pastor Ryan Navy. Ryan is a TSBC alum. Kenny, you're a TSBC alum yes. as well, I believe. Ryan is the pastor of River Valley Church in Huntington, West Virginia. Welcome, Ryan. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you for, for having me. Just celebrated uh, six years of ministry with River Valley. Youth pastor before that with Dr. Shamlin as one of my closest mentors and friends in ministry. So thankful for him. Been married to my wife for almost 10 years. Her name is Allison. We have three kids. Aubrey is 12, Bentley is five, and Karis is four. And lastly, we've got Pastor Jacob Marshall, who is part of our adjunct faculty here at Tri-State Bible College, and he's the pastor of visitation and outreach at Antioch Baptist Church in Ona, West Virginia. Brother, how are you? Good, Rex. Thank you guys for inviting me on. And I've been in Antioch for a little over five years. My wife, Samantha, and I have been serving there, and we have three children. Rosemary is our youngest, and then Peter and Barnabas. Just thankful to be serving the Lord where we're at. Matt, what are we going to talk about today? You know, in a conversation I just I had just a couple of days ago with Kenny, he and I started to talk about church life, and this seems to be a recurring theme when I talk to pastors, how things are going in light of COVID. And so as we had a discussion, it came to my mind, one of the things we need to talk about on our Level Paths podcast is the state of the church through COVID. It'd be wonderful if we could deal with the state of the church after COVID, but we're just not there. And so we put together this roundtable discussion with pastors from across our region, across Appalachia, to have this discussion about what does the church look like as we're going through COVID? I know that in our case, at our church, our church looks very different right now than it did before COVID. And so let's just talk a little bit now about the state of the church in COVID. We'll do that generally. What is the state of your church through COVID? And then we'll get specific about some different areas. So Kenny, how about you begin? What's the state of your church through COVID? Well, that's a tough question because it's hard to answer for me. I would like to say that it was great, but there are pockets of greatness. And then there are some pockets as well where we're deeply divided. It seems like there's a lot of issues over the COVID that we didn't face prior to, such as, you know, the pandemic, uh, the vaccines, and is it real? Is it not real? And there's some Christians who've been Christians a long time that are perhaps a little on the anti-vaccine side. And it's kind of a, a tough situation to ascertain, if you will, because it seems like there's a little bit of a division and uh, we battle it on a daily basis. And trying to get the people in the church to focus on Christ is it's a very ardent task right now. Ryan, how about you? I think our church is in a very healthy state. COVID kind of pruned our church a lot. Those who weren't committed to the church and to, to Christ, I think this has weeded them out. That's a good and that's a bad because the people who are, who are there on Sunday mornings, uh, they're the ones that want to be there. They are the committed. But my heart breaks for the people who just fell away. The very fact, yes, I know that COVID was a pandemic, but just something like that would just make people not committed to the church anymore. And so while our church is healthier, my heart is still breaking for those people who have seemingly fall enough. We're frustrated. It's impossible to make plans. Like, I don't know how many times I've planned the service out, all the stage personalities who, who are doing something in service. One person is quarantined and messes everything up. So it's impossible to plan. 
And so I just feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. The church is like, where are we going? I'm, I, I have no idea. What's the plan? I don't know. We're just holding on. Jacob, how about you? A lot of similarities with what Kenny and Ryan have said. It's brought a new emphasis on the Lord during this time and through it. So I think we're trying to walk through this. I think everybody was hoping there would be a quick jettison out of this. And so that initial shock of, wow, this is going to last, that has brought some grief for many people. It's been a new routine. And so there's been blessings with that, but there's been some other things that have faded away. It's been fatiguing for not only leadership, but many in the church like Ryan and Kenny said, it's just there's up and down. There's a lot of uncertainty and constant a shift, a lot of fluidity from let alone week to week, but day to day, it even feels like. But overall, it's at least been used by the Lord to draw our focus to Him, as there's been many things taken away from us that we looked to as essential, and we're seeing at least greater clarity looking to Him. So what we've heard from these guys is really about what we've seen in every area of life, that there's a lot of instability. It didn't begin that way. We all thought that what started as an unexpected foreign occurrence would be gone quickly, but yet it stuck around. Now we're working on two years. And so we're finding a way forward. We're trying to find a way to move forward in the face of uncertainty, in the face of the uncertainty, how staff, what that's going to look like in the face of uncertainty and programming, in the face of uncertainty, and just even in services. So guys, how about attendance? I'm not expecting any numbers here, but when we think about attendance, how has COVID impacted attendance? Ryan, how about you? So before COVID, I thought, I mean, we had a good amount of people coming to church, but I think that was maybe a misrepresentation of the health of our church. Big numbers doesn't necessarily mean that we are healthy. And so COVID, I mean, it made us reevaluate a lot. And so obviously when COVID came, like other churches, we shut down completely. We were fortunate enough to go back to the high school in June. So we only shut down for about two months. But what I'm finding is, like, I think our churches are dealing with issues that are byproducts of COVID. For us, one of our assistant pastors resigned. That hit us hard. Um, I think people are, are wanting change. So what I'm seeing is, is like, as people were coming back to quote-unquote normality, they wanted to change their, their jobs. They wanted to change where they live. And I think one of the next steps was they wanted to change churches. And so I think they saw this as a good time to leave the church, to go to another church or just leave it all together. And so um, our attendance has come back up a little bit, but we lost a lot of people, not from COVID, but I think because of COVID. So Ryan, as we think about attendance, Attendance is more than just a numerical issue, but attendance has really brought about other issues in response to COVID. I'm sure that you other guys have had some of the same impact. Yes, I would say it certainly impacted our attendance. And I know this sounds trite or whatever, but I don't know our attendance numbers. I purposely, for the last several years, I have no clue how many. I try to orient myself on who's faces I'm missing or whatnot, but um, it has impacted our attendance. But as Ryan adequately said, it also surfaced some issues that we were unaware of. As a result of that, we have some that uh, have chosen not to come to church, and we certainly understand their prerogative to do so, but we also wonder if not directly related to COVID, some of the issues that COVID has brought to our attention 
and we're seeing that as well in our church. Yeah, I'm looking around on Sunday mornings. Why is this person not here? And I think it's just been easy to get resentful or can speculate. And, and I know that if I'm doing that, even as a pastor, that I, I'm sure other people are too. And the whole season's been fatiguing. The positive piece has been seeing there are new people engaging in our church community that are coming, that have been new to our community. But there's just a, a sadness and a hole when you know there's people that are drifting and if not straying, I'd use the term like they're just kind of adrift. You know, they're just kind of floating in space. And what are they going to do? Let's talk about engagement for just a minute and involvement. What have been the opportunities for engagement? And then what have been the obstacles to engagement? As an established church, COVID in many ways hit the fast forward button for us on addressing some issues that, for lack of a better word, it just you know, were easy to not get to or put off. They brought some things to the forefront that had to be wrestled with and prayed through and, and dealt with. So, some of the obstacles for us have just been the instability. It's very difficult for anything to be predictable, to walk with people for a couple of weeks and for that to be interrupted, or to have gatherings where there's certain people that you know, you're used to being there or connecting with, that they're not present. And so it's just been difficult for us to get into a rhythm. The opportunity has definitely been, though, thinking through creative ways to engage with our community and recognize that the gospel still needs to go forth, that Christ Smithson isn't on pause. You know, and I find talking about obstacles and opportunities to the flip side of what we just talked about a minute ago, we have had an opportunity through this to kind of streamline our focus. And I will readily tell you prior to COVID, we were so heavily in all of our, I guess, ministries. The same people were doing the same things over and over. We were experiencing a little bit of burnout. The numbers were good. We were uh, firing on all cylinders, but our people were spiritually burned out and they were overworked. They were exhausted. They were tired. And in an Americanized church, we say the solution to that is to pour more on them and keep them busy. As a result, COVID hit and it kind of slowed that process down to where we could streamline our focus and we could focus more on devoting ourselves to the word and prayer. And we cut out the whole idea of we have to be everything to everyone. We kind of went by the wayside. Well, it's new territory for me because now we have people, some, not a lot, grumbling about the church is not ever doing anything or we're not doing enough. One fellow said, we get up and get ready. My wife and I would go to church and the pastor only preaches for 20 minutes. And that's the first time anyone's ever criticized for, you know, 20 minute sermon. But those are some of the obstacles with the opportunities. But we've also had some new families who came from churches like we were prior to COVID who want to focus on the word and discipleship. And so out of that, we see a little bit of a, a pocket of growth that we're thanking the Lord for. And it's really caused us to streamline our focus on the ministry of the word and prayer and discipleship. I love the range of pastors on this podcast. You got Jacob and Kenny who are in the traditional, you know, more established church. But our biggest obstacle as a church plant is we don't have a building. And so we are literally operating week to week. Uh, when COVID first started, we were at Governor Justice's uh, mercy if they would even allow a church to rent out the school during lockdowns. And we're still like that. We are under a microscope every single week. I mean, if there's a COVID breakout at Huntington High School, we're going to be the first ones to be blamed for it because oh, it's the church's fault. And so we're still in that tension of, man, I don't know where we're going to meet at next week. But thankfully, our relationship with Huntington High has been solid. God has just been so faithful 
Pastor Kenny, what he said, this was a time for us to just rest. Whenever COVID hits, I, I think a lot of pastors push the gas pedal a lot and try to do more and more and more. But for us, it was a time for us to rest and to reallocate our efforts and our energy to what really matters. So we were able to look at our church. What makes us different? What are we about? And we kind of, you know, went, hey, we're going to be a Sunday morning only church. We're going to focus on Sunday morning. We're going to let our groups take a rest for a while. All of our volunteers, we stripped everything down to just the basics. It was good for our church because, I mean, we have a lot of people doing everything. And it was just a good time for us to say, hey, we're going to use this time to the benefit to just rest. As a pastor who spent some time in churches with a long history, we have a tendency to accumulate things. You know, we all have those rooms in the church building where we've just accumulated all kinds of stuff. You've still got the flanograph boards and all the cutouts and you've got all this equipment from the mission conference in 1996 and you've got that tucked away. And we do the same thing with ministry. We accumulate ministries while at the same time trying to add new ministries. And that oftentimes results in burnout. What I hear you guys saying is that one of the opportunities in COVID has been to zero in on our mission and our focus. During this time with COVID, especially during the first wave, the first variant, we actually wrote our mission statement from then because it really emanated from trying to answer the question, is church vital and making the argument for people, this is why it's vital. We moved outside like many people did during the first part of this. And I wanted us to have church when we moved outside. I didn't want us to mark time. I didn't want to have one pep sermon after another. And so from the parking lot of our church, I preached through Colossians. We saw the spiritual temperature raise for our church. And when we moved back inside, for us, it seemed as though moving back inside also meant that the different things around us were starting to open up. And that spiritual temperature that had risen over that time started to fall. What does the spiritual temperature look like in your church now? The biggest gauge for us is just, do my people love the Word of God? Is the Word of God enough? I think a lot of times people in the congregation are focused on their ministries or the ministries that benefit them. But is the preaching of the Word of God enough? If all we do is gather together, sing songs, and hear, thus saith the Lord, am I satisfied with that? And what's been interesting and encouraging to me through this is that people still have that hunger and that fire and that desire to hear the Word of God. And so I think that's the number one temperature gauge is what happens in my church when the Word of God is preached? What is the temperature in that moment? And hopefully that carries on in through all ministries of your church. Yeah, we too went outside. We have a church camp and we were able to have church outside. Initially, I guess when everything happened, everyone was really eager to be at church and they were scared and there seemed to be a seeking of the Lord in that time. And as time went on and things opened back up and we went back into the church and we resumed normal activities, the sporting events opened up and all those other things opened up and it kind of dwindled back down. Here recently, we had a fairly significant outbreak in our church, and we took our Sunday morning services back out to our camp. So we're meeting on Sunday mornings outside of our church camp. It seems that there's a tale of two churches going on. There's a group of people who meet are hungry and are excited and want to grow. And then there's some who are on the periphery, if you will, and they're there. They're more 
wanting to, you know, be involved in the political side and the arguing side and so on and such and so forth. So we have kind of both going on and uh, we're trying to, again, zero or focus in on those who want the word, who want to grow. And as I studied Jesus through the gospels, I never found him begging people to follow him. He just mm-hmm. said, come on. And he ministered to those who had a desire. And we're trying to do that. We're trying to love everyone and not get in a uh, competition or a shouting match or an argument or anything. We're just going to try to love them like Jesus and follow Christ and take the ones who want to grow and move forward. It's similar for us. I think there's been things that have been stripped away. We found that God is worthy to be sought. There's individuals that are growing, that are seeking the Lord in the church, and then coupled with there's so much distraction and there's uh, so much to focus on. It's been revealing in some sense of how unloving we can be in this time. There's been every issue and an opportunity for division, kind of to pick your tribe um, to come up. So it's just been walking with both groups through uh, trying to be a steady hand at the wheel to be a to pilot. Something I hear you guys saying is not to simplify it, but there's kind of been two groups that have surfaced, if you will, if that's the right way to say it, during this uh, time of challenge and suffering, we might say. Let's zero in on that group that you feel like is growing and they're maturing. They're growing in their love for the word. Their spiritual lives are maturing. What does it look like for that group to embrace the mission? What does discipleship look like in your relationship with them, how have you focused in on and tried to encourage that growth from those who seem to be enduring and growing through this season? In a wilderness for us, the part where there's been benefit is people that have just shown interest, that have wanted to stay connected, to be involved. And so there's been more opportunities for just relationships some one-on-one meeting with people, some smaller groups in our church. So, you know, the breakdown kind of feels like sometimes you've, you've got people like Joshua and Caleb walking through the wilderness, kind of looking, going, you know what, what's God going to do next? And then, you know, there's the challenge too of looking and and it's just so easy to become defeated and cynical and to kind of uh, interact with that other group of grumbling and complaining. So the group that's leaning in, I think, has grown to appreciate the interruptions and kind of looking, how is God going to use this? How is he going to use this for us as a church and, and individually? And that's come up through a lot more relationships. I would say in our particular case, the distinction between the two groups is the one group is looking at it through the lens of a biblical worldview and a scriptural context versus another group that's looking through the eyes of the world and the political pundits and the, the memes on Facebook and all the negative connotations there. The one group with the biblical worldview, they're meeting in small groups and they're discipling, they're growing. And then the other group, They seem to be in fighting and so on and so forth. And we try to walk with them and love them and try to get their focus on the scriptures and not on the things of the world. And and it's a challenge because you you love both groups and you want to minister to both groups and you want to support both groups. But sometimes it's a daunting task because there is a little divide there. Our response is we're not going to get in to the negative aspect of it. This is a time to preach Christ. It's time to center on the gospel, preach the gospel. Our church, we try to have even guest speakers. We try to have expository preaching. We don't do topical. And there's a group of people that always want you to do a topical. You know, you got to do is the vaccine, the mark of the beast. And they want those topical things. And uh, 
we resist the urge and focus on the scriptures. If we say, as we do, we believe in the sufficiency of the scriptures, then we hold to that view. And in this time of suffering we're going through, I think it has only heightened, at least in our church, the leadership team and myself, that we remain true to the word of God. But we do so in a loving, Christ-like way, not in a condescending, moralistic, beat-you-over-the-head kind of way. But we understand that some of these people are that way. And our best combat is the Word of God. We just share the Word of God with them and the love of Christ and leave the results with Him. Pastor Timmy, I'm very encouraged by what you just said. We do expository preaching as well. So we started the book of Hebrews back in January. The Spirit is the best preacher. And there's texts that hit both sides. So for our discipleship, staying true to expository preaching, not bouncing forth from, from topic to topic, discussion to discussion. And then we just fired up our life groups again. And so this week is week number one back with our life groups. So we launched uh, five life groups uh, this week. And so hoping people get back into people's homes, talking about life and finding freedom there. But whenever COVID first started and everything was kind of on lockdown, like it made us more intentional with those relationships. I was really able to focus on our leadership team, our elders. There's pros and cons, (laughs) pros and cons. It seems in many, many ways, pastors must remain flexible amid the ongoing problems caused by COVID-19. In the span of a week or even a day, things will change. When we come back, the role of pastoral care during a pandemic. Coming up on March 24, 2022 at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio, the Appalachian Ministry Conference, fulfilling your ministry in a post-COVID Appalachia. The keynote speaker is Dr. Tom Cheney, author of Church Revitalization in Rural America. This first ever Appalachian Ministry Conference will focus on engaging Christian ministry in Appalachia for God's glory in a world impacted by COVID-19. The day starts at 9 a.m. and includes breakout sessions, lunch, Q&A sessions, Appalachian storytelling, and of course, you'll hear from keynote speaker Dr. Tom Cheney, Rex Howe from Tri-State Bible College, and Matt Shamlin from the Appalachian Ministry Institute. Again, the Appalachian Ministry Conference is March 24, 2022 at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio. To register, visit tsbc.edu and click on Apply Now or call 740-377-2520. One of the biggest burdens that has come through COVID at least for for me, has been in the area of pastoral care. Now, when I say burden, there's already a burden in being a pastor. The pastoral burden is spoken of readily by just about everyone who's ever written on pastoral ministry. But I know in our case, any person in our church who's been sick, got COVID, have a family member with COVID, that's a very scary time. Now, I know that many have put on a brave face especially at first. This is no worse than the flu. Well, we've learned that that's very much not the case. And that through this, it's amazing how many people have leaned on their pastor to help them as they walk through what comes along with COVID. Things are not normal and people have struggled mentally and emotionally because 
their routine brings them comfort. When COVID comes along, they struggle mentally and emotionally because they have may have a lot of anxiety, medically related or health issues that were pre-existing conditions. And for a pastor, we've moved from really one difficult situation to another because anytime someone's diagnosed with COVID, there you are. And some have been very easy. It's been little more than a cold and others you've walked with their families as they bury those that they love the most. When we think of the pastoral care issue, could you guys chime in on what you have seen, what you've learned in pastoral care and how you've been able to minister to people through that time? Well, I've had to learn how to use technology more. I've not been a real big technical kind of guy, but I've had to learn to do that. And uh, I, I will tell you, I feel like a failure in this time because there's, you know, obviously you couldn't visit the hospitals and uh, you couldn't be with your people. And you feel like the added pressure of your, you're failing your congregation when there's nothing you can do about it. And I say that nothing, but we obviously we pray and we try to reach out to them and do the best we can. But I do believe it adds a little bit of pressure to pastors because we love our church people and we want to be there for them and we want to help them. But we also know that it's a different game and, and we too are learning as we go through this. You know, we like to pride ourselves in thinking that we can handle any situation. And I know this COVID crisis has shown me to the contrary, that uh, I have very little control of anything. It does present challenges. For the most part, my congregation has been very understanding and loving. And for the 17 years I've been there, they've been very forgiving of me and, and my mishaps. And and in this area, they understand and they know that we are praying for them and we'll do everything we can. But it does add the pressure to the pastor because we are limited on what we can do to show that care. The word that just comes to mind for me is it's been an exhausting experience. It's been tiring and personally it can feel insurmountable. It's difficult to prepare for and plan with, with everything that's going on. So I found very early on, it was just really easy to stretch yourself to thin. I'm pretty good at finding ways to be busy for the Lord when he's just like Ryan was saying earlier, when maybe there's a reason to just stop and slow down. So even in my practice of care, it was good for me to stop and reflect. I guess answering this question focuses on my own heart. Uh, it was discouraging. There were felt like more Mondays on the drive to church or coming home on Sundays. And you're thinking, what am I doing? Or what's going to happen? Where are we going to be at? Having these conversations with yourself and, you know, seeing somebody post a picture on Facebook and go, man, you know, not only do I miss you, but now I'm angry. Why couldn't you be here? And wanting to take that personally, even as their pastor, that, well, it must have been something entering into all of that. And so for me, trying to remember those folks, there's been a tendency towards absence for any reasons. And, and I'm, I'm trying to resist speculating. The word that helped me is just my responsibility is to focus on the Lord and to seek Him, and but to also seek them, you know, to have a heart that seeks them. When I have been frustrated, you know, I've made different choices in, in my past, but to show mercy and to have grace and to, to seek people. There's a line from Lee Eklov in a book called Feels Like Home. And he says that, can we pursue those that are straying as hard as we would pursue this week's first time guest? And to just balance that, that my heart doesn't let go of those folks that my pride wants to say, you know what? I tried, I'm done. 
So to not give up on people has been maybe my motto through this that I have to remind myself every morning because it has been frustrating. It's been difficult. We uh, rely on the chief shepherd a lot. I mean, that's why Jesus called the chief shepherd. I, I am not the chief shepherd. And so in one sense, that fact is uh, liberating for me. Jesus says he won't lose one of them. But then again, I'm, I'm also encouraged by what Paul tells Timothy to focus on the flock among you, that I can't focus on the flock that's not there, that was there two years ago. My job is to focus on the flock that's there. But in our context, with a relatively younger congregation, the dying fears of COVID really hasn't been there. Like I said before, the pastoral issues have been those issues that have come because of COVID. And so we really haven't had any major pastoral emergencies because of COVID itself, but what COVID has brought to the table and what COVID has uncovered has been just absolutely exhausting, dealing with a lot of mental illness. And so there's times where, like as a pastor, you want to help everyone, but there's sometimes where it's like, you need to go see a counselor. I am not enough for you. This is outside of my pay grade. Like there's people who need real mental help is brought about just people who are just disgruntled. They're disgruntled with life. And so they're disgruntled with the church. And it's those pastoral care issues have just been absolutely exhausting, even though they haven't been directly related to COVID. The complexities of pastoral care during COVID, there's books that could be written on that, I think. And I'm sure there will be at some point. What I experienced was a need for creativity during the pandemic to keep the congregation connected and sharing life together because all of our typical avenues for doing that disappeared overnight. We implemented in our online streaming worship service, a text touch. So I had a specific prompt in the worship service where everyone was going to text somebody in the congregation, a certain biblical passage or a word of encouragement. So that was one thing we did simple, but Uh, It kept people connected, at least communicating. Another thing that we had that arose from within the congregation was they resurrected this thing called the Sunshine Committee. It was something from years past that had faded away, but they brought it back. It was perfect for a pandemic because all it was was a few volunteers pitched in and put together these little, not very expensive gift baskets of encouragement with colors of yellow, you know, bright and cheery. And then we would separate those out according to our congregation list and go drop them off on the porch. And so what I want to ask you guys about are some of the stories that you've been able to witness as pastors where someone or a group of people in your congregation have gone that extra distance to maintain the fellowship. Someone who has taken a step, maybe a story about someone taking a step to share life together during the pandemic. Well, I've just seen that, you know, there's people that recognize that we want to be around people, be that through Zoom. We don't want to just pause this and we enjoy each other and and being able to gather around the Lord. So just seeing groups getting together uh, and forming, even in this time that Matt talked about how just even meeting outside and and trying new methods, that the biggest piece for me is just... uh, It's been enjoyable to write letters, to learn to write letters to people, to write cards, and to see how effective that has been. And it's been a blessing to people uh, in our congregation. And man, it's been wonderful to receive a handwritten letter from someone or a card that can pick you up in this time. And that's been a great blessing and a gift for our church. 
as a result of some of the extenuating circumstances of COVID, we had some new couples who found through Facebook sermons, live Facebook live streaming, I should say, and they came to our church. And as a result, they were hungry for fellowship and devotion and Bible study. And out of that, a new young adults group meets on Sunday nights at our church camp. They are bringing in couples that don't even attend our church that are starting to come to this meeting and study the Bible together. And they they do fellowship, they do eat. So it's a new thing that I didn't have a part in. It, it was led by them and they're doing it. And I don't even go because I don't want to go up and talk too much and interfere with what they're doing. So, but I believe the need and the hunger for scriptural biblical fellowship drove them to launching this. And it's really uh, been a good thing for some of our young folks. Whenever the, the lockdowns happened, like I kind of just went off the grid. I was working on my house. So I used the time of the shutdowns to just focus on getting my house done. And we were in a kind of a dark season as a church too. So for me, it was like, I don't really want to do anything. And so I think that was just some of the struggles that I had just with me personally. And so whenever COVID first came on the scenes, it's like our church just ceased to exist. But I know that the church was still, the body of Christ was still working. So what's interesting is, is, you know, Jesus promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Like the Holy Spirit doesn't need my creativity or my next events that the body is just going to keep on going. I mean, I know of numerous stories of how people in the church were continuing the mission, even though I wasn't necessarily connected to it. Just as what Pastor Kenny was saying, a lot of stuff has happened organically. Stuff has come up and stuff has happened that I, I didn't have a hand in. And I don't even know where it came from. And I think that's, you know, that's how the Holy Spirit works. So now Congregational Connection, I mean, you know, we're back open, fully functioning, but we really struggled the first, you know, six months or so of COVID just connecting. And I'll have to answer to that one day. Through all of COVID, the one area that I think has been the most difficult has been that stress on leadership. You have different sides on this issue. You have issues that have been over-politicized, unnecessarily politicized. You have the conspiracy theories. You have the fears when you're thinking of older folks and young congregation or younger people. We were told at least that there's little danger through COVID but with older people that this could be deadly. And so there are some who have not been in person to church than before. You're dealing with the stress of leadership that some of us had never done online sermons before. And then you're trying to keep church connected, trying to make sure that you're reaching as many people as possible, keep the mission going and walk with people during illness. So guys, can you talk a little bit about the stress on leadership? that you've experienced, a phrase that we have heard for the first time, at least for me, with leadership was decision fatigue. So decision fatigue is where you're tired of making decisions and it doesn't happen. So what happens is you just don't make decisions. Like I felt numerous times that our church has just been stuck in neutral. The rev limiter is just pegging. The engine is revving, but you're afraid and apprehensive to make decisions because you don't know, hey, I got to change this decision or I don't want to make this decision because I'm going to make someone mad. If I choose this decision, it's going to make this group mad. And so what happens is, is your church just stays neutral and you go nowhere. And that's what happened to us for a while is, you know, I was apprehensive to make decisions. 
And frankly, I just didn't want to make decisions. I was just so tired of making decisions and not falling through and making decisions is the wrong decision. And so what happens is you make no decision, which is, which is actually the worst decision. We're not out of COVID, but you know, seeing some sorts of normality, those decisions are, are easier. But I mean, we stayed in neutral for about a year just revving the engine going nowhere. And it's discouraging because your church wants to see that you are moving forward, but you have no idea where that is. It's really humbling as a pastor to say, I don't know where we're going. Because as the lead pastor, you're supposed to have those those answers. I mean, that's why they pay the big bucks. And it's like, I have no idea where we're going. I don't even have a map. I don't see the end. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all that heart and don't lean on your own understanding. And so that's really been, you know, been crucial for me as I make decisions during this time. This has been wonderful for me because I'm the assistant pastor, Matt. So I can just blame our senior pastor for basically anything that (laughs) didn't go right. But it's real. It's just like Ryan was saying, it's just weighty and you just feel a heaviness. There's a physical heaviness almost with it that just, that carries around. My biggest takeaway I've thanked God for the leaders in our church, for guys who can just, who've walked with me and our whole staff through this, who've just been there supporting, who've been praying with us. I'm thankful for guys in our community to just get a text from a neighboring pastor. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, we're out here in independent Baptist land, so it's, it's this new territory for us to talk to extended family. These reconnections and going, okay, uh, so the recognition, like Ryan's saying, Lord, I don't know where we're going, but to be able to have brothers uh, praying with you, encouraging, thinking through this, searching scripture together, I can't stress how wonderful it is to have people with you leading. It's been isolating. It's been lonely. It's still lonely at times, even with others. It's a gift to have godly men and women in your church. There is a heavy load of pressure, and I too fell like Pastor Ryan into the trap of decision fatigue. If we make this decision this way, these people are going to be offended, and these people are going to be offended, and you love everyone, and you don't want to offend them. And then couple with the fact that hurting people hurt, the people you're trying to pastor are facing some of the same frustrations on their jobs and in their homes. And so you have this big ball of frustration. And to try to lead through that, I readily admit I I don't have the answer and I struggle daily with that. I second guess myself a lot. You know, I try to overemphasize, talk to the deacons and maybe too much, but you want to make sure you're doing right. And ultimately what we've had to come down to is what has not changed is that we should always lead by principle and the principle being the principle of scripture. So we're going to make scriptural decisions If it's an area that's not really spelled out in the Bible as such, we're going to use biblical principles for decision-making to make the right decision and trust the Lord with it. But you still have the stress of laying in bed at night thinking, man, I did this. And I'll tell you, through all this, I spend very little time on social media, Facebook, because that just kind of intensifies that feeling of pressure uh, because you read what people are posting and what things are going on. So I've kind of just distanced myself from that. If someone's on my mind, I call them. If I feel like something's going to go against what they think is targeting them or something to that nature, I try to reach out to them and explain the decision-making process. But that pressure is there. It's there every day. I'd like to see it go away. But honestly, 
I don't have the answer other than to daily rely on Christ and try to love people. I don't think we should be in a place where we always have to explain ourselves, but I feel like we are. And so um, maybe a little bit of extra explanation will help the situation, but uh, hopefully we can respond in grace and kindness and love. As Pastor Ryan said, we do still need to make decisions. As Pastor Jacob said too, about having godly people around you is huge. So hopefully we can spread out that tension or that pressure and we can all bear each other's burdens together. Very few pastors I know live for conflict. There are some I'm told that do. Most pastors want to get along with people because they want to minister to them spiritually. That's what we're trained to do. That's the call that God has on our life. COVID has brought us to a point of helping break an addiction of being pleasers of men rather than pleasers of God, because we've had to make decisions that are for the safety of our congregation, which was a place that none of us were ever prepared to be. We had to make decisions that were often in contradiction to what many people wanted us to make around us because they were listening to what the websites say or looking at what the news channel had said and also make decisions out of ignorance because as this has progressed, so too has the research that was going on in concert with it because no one really knew what was going to be the outcome because we hadn't been in a situation like that. Also, I think with leadership, we've had to learn that we have to make the best decision that we possibly can at the time and with the information that we had, and which really means that we're going to make an imperfect decision. There are no perfect decisions. Those days of making easy decisions, when are we going to have a church fellowship? What are you going to preach on next? Do we need to clean the church nursery more thoroughly? Those decisions were far in the rearview mirror. And so we're making decisions and recognizing I made the best decision that I could make at the time that I had to make it. Would I make a different decision now? I don't know. Even yesterday, having a conversation with one of my staff members, I told him, I don't know what we're going to do, but I know we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, we come to a point of elimination. All right, I, I don't know the way forward, but I know that the way we've always done it, this particular situation at this time is not the right way. And so I hope that in these times that it's led us to dependence on the Lord and not just paralysis, that we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding in all our ways, acknowledge him and trust in him to direct our path. If we believe that passage of scripture. Amen. Amen. Our podcast is called Level Paths. We want to smooth out the rough places. We want the mountains removed and the valleys raised up for the reason that people can see the glory of the Lord. That's what we want to be a part of. And you are doing that. One of the things that encouraged me so much at listening is that you've committed to scripture during this time and stayed committed to letting the word of God lead us, not changing sermons or plans because of this topic or this issue, but let's just continue in the word and I hear you all saying that you're equipping the saints, you're continuing to do it through the word, you're building up the body of Christ, just like Ephesians talks about. Because of your commitment to the word, you're going to attain that unity that Ephesians 4 talks about, brothers. You're anchoring your people through the word so that they're not tossed to and fro by every wave. 
That was one of my big concerns pastoring when this all started. Everybody went online, both the good and the bad. As you keep teaching the word faithfully, you're anchoring your people into Christ. And so as we've talked about decision fatigue and the feelings of failure, the feelings of lack of control, what's one thing that you would say to a fellow pastor to encourage them right now? I believe I would say just don't quit. Just don't give up. I believe when I was a young man, I went to a conference. Jerry Falwell had the super conference. One of his sessions for the pastors, he said 90% of success in ministry is endurance. And uh, I've never forgotten that. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. It blows my mind how Shawnee Hills has allowed me to stick around for 17 years. I keep telling my wife, if they find me out, it's over. I thank God for his grace and his mercy. I'm sure every one of us on this podcast has more than once entertained the idea of stopping and doing something else that would be a lot easier. But by the grace of God, I would just say, please continue. It's worth it. We need godly men. We need the scriptures being sounded forth. So don't quit. You don't have to be your biggest critic. I think pastors are very critical on themselves. Rest in the grace of Jesus, the same grace that we preach week in and week out. We need to live in um, and of ourselves. We are shepherds, but we're also sheep as well to find that satisfaction in the good shepherd. First Peter chapter five talks about that we will receive the, the unfading crown of glory that we will receive for our faithfulness in serving him. Um, but that crown, we get to give back to Jesus because it's all about him. And so we are not the chief shepherd. We are under shepherds. When you submit to the fact that you don't know everything, you're not the chief shepherd. The burden is off of you. It's on him. God just doesn't waste wilderness seasons. They're designed by him. Oh, if I could say anything that it's uh, encountering him, this is where we really encounter him would be my encouragement that we are in a hostile environment. There's this place that we are pilgrims. We're passing through being able to gaze upon the beauty of Christ during this time, to not miss that and to just soak him up, to find him more than enough that uh, we may not be getting out of this on our schedule or our way, but he shows up. He is not only indwelling us, but his spirit is just intimately present privately and when we're gathered and just continue to, you know, take a moment and taste a little bit of that chocolate. The Lord is still working in your church right now, pastor, to not give up, as these men have said, to not grow weary of doing good, but God is at work through your messages right now. He is, he's at work even through your failures and he's bringing these uh, pieces together and to just be grateful for your church, to love them. There's been moments when I've wanted to bang my head against the wall, but they have flexed so much in this season. They have adapted. So just appreciating them and, and just appreciating God's grace shown to us all. This is not a waste. It's for our good. You all have shown us why pastors are needed during a pandemic. I just want to affirm you. So thank you very much. Not only my professor at Tri-State Bible College and the research fellow there with the Appalachian Ministry Institute, but I'm also a pastor. And during this time, it's incredible to me that in a passage of scripture that I have heard, quoted, taught so many times, that yet again, another portion of that passage of scripture stands out. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever I've commanded you. 
And this is the portion that has stuck with me, especially during COVID. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I've taken up a new routine in life and getting up very, very early, going out for a walk, even when it's dark and just exercising, talking to the Lord, taking in scripture, listening to sermons. And if there's anything that the spirit has said to me again and again and again, I am with you always, even through COVID, even through the difficulties of decisions, even through the stress of leadership, even through trying to be faithful and being exhausted. I am with you always. And so what a reminder it is that the Lord has us here for such a time as this. He's brought us to his church as that church is a gift to us and us to them, and that the Lord has not left us alone, but he's with us even as we seek to walk through difficult times. Guys, it's been wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you for taking just a few moments, encouraging our listeners, seeking to equip them in a way that's going to be faithful and helpful to them and helping them go on forward in COVID as we continue through this. Thank you guys for your time today. Endurance, don't quit, trust in the Lord. In a time when pastors go to work and quite often don't know exactly what to do next, when the stress of a pandemic is weighing extra heavy on him, do what you can to find your pastor and encourage him. The pastor's job is hard work, and COVID-19 hasn't made it any easier. Your pastor needs to hear good words from his people. This is part one of a two-part series on the state of the church through COVID. If you've heard something on this episode of Level Paths and you need more information, send Rex at Tri-State Bible College an email, rex.how at tsbc.edu, or email Matt at the Appalachian Ministry Institute, matt.shamlin at tsbc.edu. On the next Level Paths podcast, part two of the state of the church through COVID. I've got to connect with some people today. I've got to make a phone call. I've got to write a card. I've got to call them and say, can I come by? Let's sit on the back porch. Just what can I do to stay connected? This has been the most challenging of the almost 39 years that I've been through. The Level Paths Podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.